Welcome to a Capgemini podcast on cloud native transformation. I'm your host, Carl Cully, and I'm delighted today to be joined by Jonathan Lewis, uh, Franz Meyer, and Lauren Nelson. And today we're going to be talking about cloud native, multi-cloud, the importance of freedom and choice for the customer, and what's on the horizon for cloud native. Okay, so uh, let's jump in. I'll ask my, my guests to introduce themselves and their roles. Um, could we start with uh, Lauren, please? Sure. Hi, everybody. Uh, Lauren Nelson. I'm from Forrester Research. I've been at Forrester for 11 years, uh, and I get to spend my life researching um, and working with enterprises and cloud service providers all over the world uh, every single day on what their cloud strategy is, how it's evolving, and, and kind of what they see next. So a uh, pleasure to be here and excited to kind of have a good conversation about cloud native today. Oh, it's wonderful to have you on the podcast. And now, uh, perhaps, uh, friends, could you introduce yourself in the role? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Uh, so I'm Franz Meyer. Uh, despite very German name, I'm French. Uh, I'm an old timer from Red Hat. I started uh, about 18 years, and I've been also a, a veteran from the software industry with probably close to 30 years in that uh, in that industry. Um, I'm in charge of the uh, business development for uh, Red Hat in uh Europe, Middle East, and Africa. And uh, my objective is basically in the strategic and enterprise um, segments, markets. I'm pushing all the, the Red Hat solutions uh, with the partnerships we have, you know, uh, obviously, including the one with Gemini. Great. Well, welcome. Uh, and now, uh, Jonathan, please. Hi, I'm Jonathan. I'm from France too. Uh, I'm field CTO for Capgemini. I'm uh, also the head of Cloud Native Infrastructure Center of Excellence. We created um, uh, one year ago in Capgemini, and uh, and we're helping a number of our customers uh, and clients migrating on Cloud Native. I've been in uh, in this industry for 15 years, particularly in open source. I'm a pure open source guy for years. And now uh, I'm working uh, particularly with Red Hat on, on some projects. Great. Well, it's wonderful to, to have you on board also. Well, I suppose a, a good place to start would be by defining what exactly uh, cloud native is and, and what is meant by cloud native. So Lauren, please, could you uh, kick us off? Sure. So uh, cloud native, uh, you, you hear the term a lot at conferences all over the industry, and, and it seems to be a vague term. I, I think when it was officially defined, it was a couple years ago, uh, after reInvent and KubeCon, you saw folks kind of starting to get a, some clarity around what is it and, and what the market has kind of come to, to pass is we're defining it as a solution that, that was built from cloud from the get-go, a solution that is microservices based, it lives on containers, and it is built with the context of what you need for a cloud platform. Yeah, no, I think the definition is uh, is is really good. The point that is important is how why it came and what it appears that way is first of all because you know a, a new trend and new players came on the market, which the the cloud infrastructure providers, and, and also all that is very linked with what we call the digital transformations of company, uh, which means basically their business m much more through a digital uh, model, and, and obviously it means that they have to modernize and develop much more rapidly business applications that leave and that they update on a very frequent basis. And for that, you need to change the paradigm of how you know the applications were made. So cloud native applications basically has brought that 
benefiting from these new infrastructure and capabilities uh, from those providers, as well as the need for companies to address this digital digitalization. Right. The need to be agile and with a sort of um, more of a DevOps approach, I suppose, um, uh, Jonathan. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's really about uh, agile. I like to say it's two hundred percent agile. Uh, one uh, spoon of DevOps and uh, one spoon of cloud. You know, mostly and cloud native for me. It's really if you go back in the day uh, when AWS starts did uh, this first cloud native term. It's really about how you knew you could deploy after two weeks of work where you are on agile uh, methodology. Meaning after one sprint, what could you offer? to your client and this is could be useful could be testable and could be put in production the day after and this is for me where is cloud native basically it's putting technology behind agile approach well i suppose now we have a definition of, of cloud native for our our listeners the the next question would be why cloud native what are the benefits and benefits of these sort of container-based environments uh, maybe we can once again kick off with uh, lauren yeah, and I, I think we had touched on that a little bit already about the the why, what what makes it different, what makes it unique. Part of what makes it different and makes it unique is that why, that that value prop of what are you trying to achieve? And also some of these terms like microservices have been around since the 90s. They hadn't really been used because there wasn't really a use case in market where it was where it was actually a practical scenario that we could actually benefit from. And today, when we look at cloud native and what's being done with elastic environments with cloud and the cultural change that we're seeing in development organizations about a very iterative approach, the ability to do small changes to get a minimal viable product on mar to market faster is kind of that, that full value prop. Um, and then the last thing I'll kind of touch on is cloud native has also been used to refer to innovation at whole. So a lot of the cloud native ecosystems that exist out there today are places where organizations go to innovate, where they see lots of different tools that uh, integrate with each other, that foster this innovative culture. And I think that's the other side of it. It is kind of when you say cloud native, it, it is a context that things are being done differently. Yeah, we can, we can look at from uh, two angles, uh, bottom up or uh, top down. Uh, bottom up, it, it means that we want to basically um, see how now we can abstract the operation on the IT infrastructure. You know, we allow developer to have more agility and, and flexibility. Um, and if you look at it from, uh, you know, top down is, and from a business standpoint is how basically we can get the developers to develop almost on a daily basis or weekly basis new features, new application in order to basically uh, develop the business of, uh, of the companies. And with the, uh, I would say, traditional or legacy models, the infrastructure was imposing too much uh, of restrictions for going that fast. And also with a traditional, I would say, waterfall type of, uh, of model where you have to develop you know, everything and test, it was taking too long to bring new things and innovation into the business applications. Yes, and I suppose um, agility equaling choice, right? And and how to operate with with different cloud environments, you know, with uh, a multi-cloud uh, approach, perhaps. 
yeah, it's also a good moment and a good uh, motion for most of the company to uh, make the change happen. You know, I think Clarnative is an opportunity for particularly the uh, the big company uh, to change and to uh, make the change happen. I think we, we, we have been trying for a while, moving some time on the job, start to modernize application and so on. And I think Clarnative is really for them uh, an opportunity to embrace really uh, the change happen with the cloud. And I think that's why you have a lot of traction in my way uh, on the cloud native uh, from, from the companies, not really uh, there only a few, 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 a few years ago. You know. As the majority of organizations already have a digital transformation strategy in place or are in the process of implementing one, vast majority see cloud as a critical component of their change strategies. Is the term digital transformation outdated because of what companies must do has always remained in the cloud? I get this question a lot. So I was actually in a, a few sessions earlier this week where we, we said, do we need to put a new new wrapper on the term digital transformation? Um, and, and where that stems from is it's essentially transforming your technical debt, transforming the way your business operates in its industry to try and do things differently and to try and put a new spin on what we, we've previously called IT transformation we kind of put this digital term in front to talk about how a lot of things are going from a non-digitized world to a place where we're trying to digitize and connect to be able to have, make smarter decisions, to use the power of the data that we have to be able to work faster. Um, and the, the term is still very relevant for organizations. It's still the same initiative that we've been working on for the last five or so years. But some organizations are trying to put a little bit more oomph in it, a little bit more resurgence in the initiative itself. And, and looking at things like business acceleration, reviving the way that we go to market. Um, and you're, you're seeing slightly different terms emerge, but a lot of organizations are, do we need a new term for this? Do we, can we just use that overarching term and then immediately get into more specificity? about what particular endeavors that we're going after. Um, and, and cloud tends to fall at the bottom of, of that conversation because it is a, it's a series of enablement technologies. It's not one technology. It, it's not that the change itself, but it's the technology that enables you to change the way your development organization works. Okay, so let's move on to talk about the increasing importance of choice in cloud native. Maybe we can start with uh, with friends. Yeah, um, you know, as I mentioned, I'm an old timer from uh, Red Hat on the open source industry, and obviously, you you have to to understand exactly what means open source. And open source means obviously choice, because uh, open source is a way you know, uh, of developing software in a different manner. And that, that technology, that software is freely available uh, for anyone and it's done into a collaborative and community manner. It, it gives the people the choice that they're using the technology and all the features the way they want. So uh, the same way in cloud, when you have something which is disruptive, uh, it's, it's very important that you're giving the choice. So um, when we're talking about cloud native, uh, it means that somehow also it gives the choice. It should be whatever infrastructure uh, you would be able to run. So it can be on a on a private on-prem environment and being bare metal or virtualization, uh, virtualized machines, or even your private cloud, 
or it can be any kind of public cloud that you want, any place in the world uh, that, that you have and any provider. So, um, and that it involves you first of all to uh, put in place um, this cloud native approach for developing in a different manner, a different type of applications uh, to enable your digital transformation. So choice is absolutely key. I think today uh, one of the main goals of my of my clientele is really uh, to be free uh, from any kind of locking you're going to have. And for example, uh, uh, by the past, we used to, to work on some technology and it's really, uh, really, really difficult to, uh, uh, to, to go and to move uh, forward from some technology and the cost is really expensive. And today, I think many uh, lessons was learned about that and uh, people would like to, to go uh, on non-locking technology where you're going to move easily from one provider to another, uh, but also from one service provider to another, uh, try to to be really uh, um, a neutral platform, to have a neutral platform, to to really starting to be free to create on your own your your different stacks. As you mentioned, the uh, uh, benefits of, of multi-cloud strategies. It's obviously a incredibly complex subject, and this complexity has you know foresters, infrastructure, and operations uh, leaders asking, "Is the pain worth the gain?" So perhaps I could ask Lauren, "Is the pain worth the gain with multi-cloud strategies?" We get this this pragmatism that that pushes back on those statements in the market um, for organizations like Comcast for. Uh, Home Depot, for organizations that are already well on their way, that have been working with open source tooling and have developed a lot of their own app and developer services to get them moving fast. Sometimes, you know, they have the the, the benefit or the privilege of that freedom of choice. Um, I, I talk to a lot of organizations that are not in that circumstance always, where they feel this organizational challenge where it is so hard to get anything done internally that for them, it's a choice of, do I transform digitally or do I do freedom of choice? Do I do this on multiple clouds? Do I I not use app and developer services that could provide me value today because I want this this freedom of lock-in? And there is, they do acknowledge the the vendor lock-in challenge. Um, There is a very real and a very emotional past that exists with vendor lock-in. And yet these guys say, we are going to use app and developer services that lock us in. And we're uncomfortable with it. It's not our first choice. But in order to get anything done in our organization, where it is so difficult to instill change, we need to choose lock-in. And for for them, they're choosing a public cloud platform. They're using the app and developer services. If they felt they had a choice where those value-add services were available for them, where they did have that choice, they would choose it in a heartbeat. But today, one of the realities of the market is if you want application and developer services, you're facing this choice. Um, but every organization can can have that freedom of choice and take advantage of that, that aspect of choice and, and multi-cloud. Um, and I, I think I spent more time talking about choice and is the value prop than I did multi-cloud. But I think that's at the heart of that multi-cloud question is, do I get access to these value-add services? Does creating a governance model, operational model for two different clouds slow me down? If I try and, and not get locked into a platform that I use so I can use multiple clouds, does it slow me down? 
So I'll just pose that there. I, I imagine uh, Jonathan and Franz have, have counters on each of those and have many client examples where they have successfully been able to do both. No, I agree. I think uh, on most of, uh, I'm thinking about what one of my biggest, our biggest clients is really first it's moving and moving fast and moving forward, try cloud native and the other hand, you have to deal with the fact you have legacy application and you have a past, you have also people, you have people lock into their, in their current skill set around the whole database, around all mind, uh, mindsets. And uh, yeah, you have to balance that in the real life to say, okay, we could have some part where we're going to modernize and move fast. We have to deal with another part where we have to really help people, not only technology, but also help people uh, to, to start a new journey and to really change, help them to change and to embrace uh, a new way of working. All right, I agree. Giving the choice is a trade-off between a short-term, I would say, uh, easy benefit and a longer term larger benefit and that's what you know basically i've seen very very much uh, it's a natural thing that a supplier a vendor is trying to retain and keep their customer for the benefit of their business as long as possible and uh, for maximizing the revenue uh, it's a natural thing for a company and it's really responsibility of uh, of the client to basically uh, push back or make choices, uh, in, you know, in consideration of that. Um, and obviously, if you have a vendor in a position which is attractive at a certain time, that you have the easy choice to basically say, I just get trained on this technology and on this concept. I just like only one supplier, uh, one vendor, and I just go all for it. Uh, the problem is, first of all, it may have a long-term financial impact. Uh, and I would say that's almost the best case you have. Uh, and the worst case is you also have a, a big problem on, on, the on the innovative uh, impact because that supplier may not remain you know, the most competitive on the market from a technological uh, standpoint, for innovative standpoint. So you need to make sure basically you adding somehow complexity to your choice at the beginning and, and you try to make it uh, easy and faster, but you make that effort. And because you give you the freedom of choice for the future, you will benefit of the best of breed from what's available on the market at the best price with the best technology and best innovation. Well, I suppose now that we've, we've covered some of the concerns, some of the questions um, asked by organizations considering going cloud native and also some of the, the benefits as we see it, um, it leads us on quite naturally to talk about the biggest challenges faced by organizations uh, after adopting a, a, you know, a cloud native approach. There are, there are certainly challenges as, as you start to explore new technologies, um, but for the most part, what I see are, are people challenges, which is... How do we select the right individuals to lead this initiative? How do we make sure we have a leader internally that can speak to both our developer audiences and our operations audiences to create something that can actually scale, but something that doesn't leave us exposed? Um, there's also a, ch a challenge I see on maintaining staff once trained. Uh, there is a, a shortage of skill sets in the market. Once somebody has powerful certifications and experience, they then are more valuable as an asset, and they tend to be poached by a lot of the big, big uh, public cloud providers out there. So I, I see a real challenge around um, people, 
Um, Jonathan, I know that you do a lot on center of excellence, so I, I'm sure you've got a lot on the people side as well. Exactly. I think one of the biggest challenge I have today, it's really, uh, you know, essentially, uh, um, I've been for years in an open source pool player company, and today I'm in Capgemini. Uh, I've been, uh, we in Capgemini, we have a lot of technology, we have a lot of clients, and uh, and the context uh, is really, and the people context is really important. Today, uh, even in my team, I have people with a VMware background, I have people with Windows background, people used to work on uh, infrastructure or hardware and so on. I could say traditional way of thinking and the biggest challenge I have today is to bring them in the new mindset to help them to train them, to support them, to uh, really uh, help them to change. And also uh, what I like in this, uh, in this purpose is that you could scale with the capability to scale. And uh, this is really a, a people journey. It's really interesting. I think it's really an exciting moment for that because it's really about shows, it's about, about technology, but it's really about people, how we're going we're gonna to go on this digital age as we're talking for so many years. You know, It is really interesting to see uh, even developers could have difficulties to move forward and to move on cloud native. We're thinking cloud native as the best, uh, I could say the best country or the best landscape for uh, developers, but it's not true. And sometimes developers are really uh, slow down the project and they try to avoid cloud native, to try to avoid to change their mindset and to start thinking differently. And sometimes it's really about that, you know, and uh, that's why agree uh, it's it's sometimes it's a long journey not only because um, of the maturity of the technology the maturity of the choice but mostly because of the maturity of people to embrace uh, to embrace it you have a product you have process and you have people um, you know product and technology uh, i would say it's complex but it's quite an easy straightforward we have plenty vendors we are here for that doing that you have processes and uh, and also, you have obviously to rethink the way you're doing things, uh, your business, but also how you develop and so on and so on. And then you have people. And, and, the, and the toughest one is around the people. And, um, and, and it's a natural thing. Human uh, beings are naturally resistant to change. And here, clearly, we have to do things differently. So it's not that it's better, you know, or, or worse or more difficult. It's just different. So could we talk about how um, operations teams must disrupt their traditional infrastructure architecture strategies uh, with infrastructure as code? And perhaps we could start by defining for our listeners exactly what infrastructure as code is. Um, the, the thing is, if you look at from the developer angle, because you want to be flexible, you want to develop new things, you know, new features for your application that allows you to do business every day, and, uh, and, and, and are your customers are waiting for that every day that you publish a new way, a new feature in your application uh, or in your capabilities of business? And, um, and the problem is how you mix that agility, that permanent agility, you know, that is almost immediate uh, and apply it to that infrastructure that should be rock solid. And infrastructure as a code means basically that you try to basically make the two working together that through the automation, through the choice of, uh, uh, I would say, technology you're making, how you basically allow the developers to ignore the constraints of an infrastructure which is super rock solid uh, and, and running. 
that that's that's really the challenge what I see from uh, infrastructure as a code. First, from a from a definition perspective, it, it's very simple. It is infrastructure as code. So instead of provisioning and managing infrastructure through physical hardware configuration platforms and tools, um, instead you're you're managing this system through kind of machine readable definition files. So it's it's all of those classic virtualization technologies that we've worked with in the past paired with automated tooling that allows you to do the complete provisioning and managing of resources um, through code. And I, I think when I think about the most difficult aspects of this, the two things really come top of mind. One, our infrastructure professionals don't always know how to code. So I've seen so many different uh, organizations adopt SDI technologies or try and tackle the IAC space, looking at some of the configuration management tools out there, and they don't have the basic skills to even use those technologies, even though they've secured budget and, and they've technically bought them. So that, that's one is we need to teach our infrastructure professionals how to code and some of the fundamentals of automation in general. Um, second, I will highlight that uh, when we, we try and, and roll out things like a cloud initiative, at times we, we struggle again with this speed challenge of legacy skill sets and different priorities from those in the organization where some are incentivized to work fast and others are incentivized to do things with very little risk. And, and with this, we see these, these concepts like bimodal IT and all, all of these different elements of how do we accelerate? How do we leapfrog aspects of things that we see as more important to jumpstart our transformation? And with that, we see a lot of cloud initiatives starting off where, especially private cloud initiatives, where they focus on giving developer tools and, and fast ability provision, but without investments in SDI and the right infrastructure as code technologies, we struggle at being able to, to provide full day two management of those, those systems and then also to scale those systems beyond a certain point. Um, so it's, it's hard to actually actually get that initiative off and running and focusing on the next thing rather than your just your first few projects. So we've come to the end of part one of this podcast on Cloud Native. Uh, thank you very much uh, for listening and be sure to tune into part two uh, in which we'll be talking about common misconceptions about cloud the hottest DevOps trends, and the importance of open source, among other things. So thank you very much for now, and bye-bye.